welcome to the powder keg of awesome. You want awesome? Well, you're going to need to get off your ass and go make some. The powder keg does not light itself. In this podcast, I, Jerry Kennedy, my co-hosts Jackie Dotson and Michael Clark riff on why being able to spin less and do more is more essential than ever. Lighting the powder keg of awesome requires being able to speak the truth, cut through crap, and make stuff go. Howdy, Jackie. That's like the first time I've heard you mess it up. And Did I do it out of order? You did a little well, out of order. Bit. Yeah. So I noticed that Michael Clark has morphed into a pregnant woman. Yeah. She's much it's more kind attractive. Of the same thing. She's much more attractive than Michael Clark. I no, agree. Not that, not that Michael Clark's not attractive. His, bill, his belly's way bigger than yours. They're very different shaped bellies. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And his is not full of babies. No. It's full of ramen uh, noodles, ramen and hot noodles dogs. rice, hot dogs, and wine. Red wine? Yeah. Red wine, brunettes, vodka, beer. Brunettes? Remember we got the brunettes? Remember I got the brunettes vodka that day he drank the whole bottle? He's got a belly full of brunettes? Brunettes, not oh. brunettes, although he wouldn't mind. <laughs> so I noticed you use Audacity for the audio. I do. I just learned how to use that this weekend for my, really? my digitizer for my cassette tapes. Ah. Yeah. Are you converting all of your cassette tapes? No, not all of them. I have, <coughs> I have a bunch of Black 47 stuff from the radio. Pirate stuff. It's not pirate stuff, it's just them playing live shows on the radio. I felt like a pirate though. You are a pirate. Yar, pirate yeah. Well, rumor has it you took down uh, Dropbox over the weekend. I did, I crashed Dropbox. They <laughs> sent me a Nastagram and they cock blocked me. No! I exceeded their bandwidth limits. <laughs> I'm back up. No more downloads for okay. you! Yeah. So. I felt, like such a, I felt like such a badass when I got that email. They're like, you exceeded your bandwidth limits. I'm like, yeah, I went viral. You know, that's it's always, it is always kind of fun when you get you know, the message from your hosting provider. Um, your site's too popular. We're gonna have to shut it down. Or you're gonna have to pay us more money. Okay. Yeah, it's like, okay, that's a good thing. Well, it's a good thing if you're actually like making money off it or right, something. Right, that, that's what I always say. If your website is doing so well that you need to pay more money to host it, that's a good sign. It's like, I was I used to say, yeah, I love writing the when I had when I was when I was running my practice, I'm like, yeah, I love writing bigger checks to the to, to the tax man because it means I'm making more money. Oh yeah. <laughs> Although not really, not necessarily. Oh, at the time I was. If you're Chase, you don't write a big check to the bank oh, or no. to the tax no, man, but no. you make a lot of money. Right. I'm not never was and never will be a giant corporation, oh. so I'll never know that feeling. Giant of, soulless corporation. I'll never know the feeling of making quadrillions in profits and not paying any taxes. You know, it's really not the quadrillions of profits. They aren't the only ones. I mean, when you start looking at some of our small and medium-sized single partnership entities and the amount of offshore fund storage that they do. Yeah. Creative banking. You know, I don't even know that it's creative. It's completely above board and legit, and it's one of those things where you look at the difference between legal and moral. Well, and you and you look at the and you and you, you know, look at the effective tax rate of a corporation versus you know your average minimum wage worker, and when when you know when it's roughly the same, something's something's hinky, something's out of balance. Yeah, right. Like, that's what Warren Buffett said. Yeah, his secretary pay has a bigger tax rate than he does. He goes, yeah. that's messed up. That's wrong. There's something wrong about that. And and if you're Warren Buffett. You're, it's not like you're going to, you know, oh, well, hey, IRS, here's an extra million dollars to cover, you know, whatever. Yeah, no. Right? I mean, you don't do that. But you operate in such a way, I mean, if you really care about it, you operate in such a way that you pay taxes to support the infrastructure 
that allows you to do business. If only everybody it's, saw it that way, though. It's it's not it's not a complicated equation. That's what this what always baffles me about you know the uh, the no taxes folks. Okay, so who's going to build roads? Are you all going to pool your money mm -hmm. and and build the roads? And then do I have to pay you to drive on the road? Is this now your road and only your trucks can drive on it, so now I have to build my own road if I want to transport goods? Every man and has to have their own road. It doesn't? The uh, city of San Francisco, <coughs> I was reading an article talking about bouncing some ideas about what they can do now that their gasoline tax income has dropped so much because so many people are driving hybrid cars. <laughs> and they don't, and the money that was going, that, that's one of those very specific. You drive a car, the taxes on the gas for your car mm -hmm. go to fix the roads. Mm -hmm. Except if you don't buy gas, you don't fix the roads, but the roads still need fixing. And yeah. so now there's, well, shit, what do we do now? And correct me if I'm wrong, do hybrids get to use the, the free lane? If they, uh, you have to register and get a sticker, and there's a certain number of them that are issued per year, and you have to the be, HO, the HOV, the HOV lane, yeah. <laughs> so not every hybrid car ends up getting it, and it uh -huh. has to meet certain clean air standards. And then there's the argument of, well, is the HOV lane to make the air cleaner? Is the HOV lane to save on traffic? And if it's to save on traffic, then well, damn it, none of those people should get to have a sticker anyway. Right. It's. I find the HOV lane just completely jacks the freeway up. Really. Completely. I freaking love. I love I mean, the carpool lane. You can use it, but um, I'm trying to decide if I can get away with using it with the twins. Um, because there was that Reader's Digest thing about oh, there's twins. I'm like, mm. no, they. I I forgot. Well, if they're in car seats, you I, can. I was in. Well, they're still no, in my belly. I was in a oh. situation. Oh yeah, one time yeah. I got a, one time I got a red light ticket and I had to go to tra traffic school and they address that issue in traffic school and they say no, pregnancy does not count. You it would count if I was in a car accident and all three of us died. That person at this point would be charged with negligent homicide. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't count for high, high occupancy because the, the base kind of happened to be in there. And it would count if you were in Oklahoma. <laughs> oh. Or Alabama. No. I don't yeah. think they have enough traffic to need Benefits there. of living in Alabama. There have to be some. God knows. Well, it can't be the weather. No. Unless you like humidity. Um, maybe the food? Barbecue. Yeah. Southern barbecue? barbecue? Eh. I wouldn't say that they're my favorite barbecue. Really? Where's your favorite barbecue? Uh, I like, uh... Kansas City. I like, Kansas City is good. I like Carolina barbecue. Kansas, you stuff. like the, so you like the sweeter stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, who is it that's like, that's like the really sweet stuff? Like, super sweet. McDonald's. Riblet yeah, sandwich that kind of flavor. that's made out of yoga mats. Yeah, that's not <laughs> Carolina's no, no, sweet no, barbecue. It's, it's Carolina's yeah. sweet barbecue sauce. Yeah. And then, yeah, but Kansas City's dry rub. Mm -hmm. But there's when they when they use sauce, it's not sweet. Mm. Memphis is good. I like Memphis, Texas, and Kansas City. Those are my three favorites. You know what I like? I like when Alex makes barbecue. I like when Clint makes ribs, and I like when Alex does his smoked pork butt. And the Dude, whole house smells amazing. That is a thing that should happen soon. Yes. So we just, in the first seven minutes of our show, went from taxes to barbecue. I think we should probably go back to taxes. Because it's, you know, it's coming up. Yeah. In a month and a half, something like that. I don't know. Not good at math. Is it two and a half months? When are your babies due? It, it, end of April. But I still haven't. I'm still not entirely sure if that's two months or two and a half months. Or <laughs> did they move your duty? That's two months. You know, or is it the assumed that it's really going to be sure so that, Well, they're assuming <coughs> that they're going to show up at 38 weeks, and so if you assume that they're going to show up at 38 weeks, then the due date moves to April 26th. 
But if they don't show up at 38 weeks, then the due date's May 10th, and it's this whole weird thing, and then they put the numbers into the ultrasound and they scare you and say your babies are too small, when really probably it's just that they so don't know what due date you basically you need think. to clear your calendar like starting like April 15th. Now. Or now. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, there's, no. there's really outside of going to work and then like going out to dinner, there's really not much else at this point that you want to do. Uh, yeah, there's like, not a lot I do. I mean, there's some there's some Every... decent there's decent shows coming up mm -hmm. that you know we're like oh you know when that comes around when somebody does that we'll have to go see that and uh, you know the reality is I can't she, sit she in chair my, for two she hours. She saw my show twice and the second time she mm -hmm. was like. I probably should have just seen it once. I know, that was the, no, no, that was the first show. I got to the intermission of the first show and realized I was already sorry that I had bought tickets for the second one because um, I wasn't going to waste them. Yeah. So, read and watch TV. <coughs> read and watch TV. And go to work. Thank God for Netflix. Oh, oh, thank God for Netflix. Oh, we got to catch up on the House of Cards thing. Because yes. season three is coming out February 27th but they've already leaked some of the episodes. And I love it. I love that Netflix does this thing where they, oh, we've leaked 10 episodes. That's not a leak. You are, you are Netflix. You can't leak your own shit. Oh, so is, it, is that their show? Yeah. It's their show, yeah. You can't leak your own shit. You just, oh, we gate, we put it on there early. Well, it's like when somebody says, well, I wanna, make, I wanna make this go viral. No, you don't get to decide whether something goes viral or not. You can't let that, that poor male everybody glitter guy. It was male, your enemies glitter. Yeah. And it was uh, what happens when you don't plan for success. Mm -hmm. That their website crashed, they couldn't handle the traffic they were receiving. The guy actually put up a notice on the website please stop ordering this. It's a terrible thing to do to people. I don't want to deal with it. Um, <laughs> and the copycats are already popping up. Okay. Yeah. Carlson is uh, writing copy for a website that's, a, that's essentially a copycat of the. Or was when he was in New York. I think he's back in town. Anyway, but that's it. It's when you think about it, it's one of those ideas that's gonna. It's got a shelf life. It's got a finite shelf life. Yeah. Eventually, somebody's gonna. You know, people are gonna get sick of mailing people mailing glitter. people glitter. Just like people got sick of filming themselves dumping ice over their heads and writing checks to ALS. It. it, it Who still a, hasn't decided a, what they're doing with all that money yet? It's more money than they really know what to do with. They did, I, I was reading the other day, they did, um, they've written a couple of grants for research. Um, but yeah, it's, it's I'd really like to see them investing into some long-term trust accounts to actually turn this into a multi-generational income source. That's you the account speaking. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, my hope is that. Guys, I'm not capable of doing this for you, but I'd really like to see you do this. My thing. hope is that they invest in the research because they really don't know what causes that. Yeah. And just finding out what causes that is going to lead to so many treatments and things like that. And I, I know some, someone I met at World Domination Summit's brother is dying from that right now. And we have a friend. Um, it's, it, it's excruciating to watch. Well, Cricket has a friend. I've actually not met her. But I feel like I know her from getting the updates and what have you. It's a woman with it? Yeah. I've never met a woman. Usually, it's more happens to me, <coughs> is You know, I think it's one of those things they're going to find has several different causes for several yeah. different reasons because there are some very drastic differences about timeline of onset and how long hmm. it takes for things to go bad. It, and it's, 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 a, it's one of those things where it, it would be really great if the, the medical community at large 
would take a big dose of humble pie and say the words, we don't know. It That's not related to, you know, somebody's negative prognosis, right? It, I'm talking about, we're not sure if this is going to work or not. There's a lot of, it, it seems to, it, hubris plagues the medical community more than just about anybody besides politicians. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just this thing of, we know what's best for you. Mm-hmm. We, and, and it's weird because... We have this um, whole row of ticky boxes that you need to tick the ticky boxes. And if you don't tick the ticky box, then something is absolutely wrong. Yeah. Um, and just noticing it from, you know, I tend to avoid the medical community as often as possible. Um, you know, I, we're pretty sure I had pneumonia the last few weeks and I haven't seen the doctor yet and I'm getting, I'm better. So wow. obviously it wasn't pneumonia, but whatever it is. have been walking pneumonia. <coughs> whatever it is, it cleared up. But that's how much I dislike going to see the doctor. Uh, so, you know, going to appointments with Cricket and the babies is the most exposure I've had to the inside of a medical facility in like a decade. And just the way that the medical community approaches a pregnancy boggles my mind. It, it swear to God, they treat it like you have some horrible disease yeah. that's, that could be, that's potentially fatal. Uh, like, yeah. those are just babies. They grow inside of people. Women have been doing this for thousands of years. Thousands? <laughs> Poss- you know, probably millions or no, the, tens the, of millions. They are 6,000 years old. Oh, that's right. It. Even if we, uh, even if, <laughs> Well, even if we go with that, <laughs> they've been doing it for 6,000 years. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, animals do that. My cat had babies in a closet with no help, right? It, babies happen. You, you, even, you don't even have to go to cross-species things. You can... My uh, friend gave birth to her second child on the bathroom floor. I was reading, I'm reading a book and uh, one of the guys, or she's talking about one of her, it was written by a midwife and she's talking about one of her um, clients who came in for a class and was telling the story about, he just wanted to know how to deliver a baby um, because he didn't want to be in the situation again where he had to deliver a baby without knowing what he was doing because apparently their first child came in the middle of the night and they made it as far as the car and gave birth in their parking space at their apartment building in the backseat of the car. Yeah, my friend had her daughter on the bathroom floor because she went from like zero to holy shit in like a minute. <sighs> Kid's fine, she's a teenager now. Yeah. So. Well, it's, it's interesting that you look at other cultures that haven't turned this into a medical procedure. Mm-hmm. Um, and measuring on the pain scale, they don't go through the same things that, uh, you know, industrialized women do. You know, it's it's just part of life. It's just a thing you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we turn it into this enormous medical circus and have... Is your chair good? Are you good? I don't know. <laughs> and, 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 you know... All of these, you know, high tech measurings and thisings and thatings, and we still have worse outcomes than I think we're like 42nd in the world ranked 47 for infant and uh, mother baby turnout, infant and mother turnout. That's 40 Wow. Is that, is that like, alphabeticalist? Is, yeah. that, is that like one of those things where we get beat out by Estonia? You know, <laughs> you know like, probably because like, the best was, places to have babies are in, you know, 
Northern yeah. Europe. You know, let's go and have just, babies in Norway. Let's go have babies in Denmark. They have the best mother-baby outcomes. Mm-hmm. And I apologize for Estonia because it just sounds like an Eastern European, uh, you know, hole. No, but it's actually quite nice. Maybe it's because it has the word stone in the name. Maybe. It just triggers my, like, stone age. It's all, it used to be one of the, you know, it's a little Republican Soviet Union used to take ownership of it, and uh-huh. now it's independent and have good beer. I've been there. I think it's one of those things it? that kind of reminds me a lot um, about I think London, Russia. Oh, okay, gotcha. When when people start getting in and monkeying with things that they really should just leave alone, like when your business is doing really well and it's growing really well, but then you want to put all of these different measurements on it because you want to see just how well it's doing, and you actually strangle the life out of it. <laughs> yeah. Except for don't do that to babies. Yeah. Don't strangle the life out of it. Doctors, yeah, so doctors, I'm, listen. What I'm hearing you saying, you know, because you're the only person in the room who's actually been to this rodeo before. Um, people have been doing it for thousands of years. Quit making it more and more medically complicated. And, you know, you're making it more complicated to your own detriment. To your measured detriment, mm-hmm. you are complicating this. I, I was talking to my mom yesterday, giving her an update, and told her about the... We were going up to the ultrasound yesterday, and you kind of told her, you know, what, what had led up to it and everything, and... Boy, that's sure a lot of ultrasounds. And isn't this like, I don't know, like the sixth one? Oh, easily. And she said, more. I had six babies, and I never had a single ultrasound. And my mom is one of these people. She got confident towards the end of her run and was like, yeah, number six. Run of having babies, not her run of anything else, because yeah. that woman has more fire. Yeah, she just just got super confident at the, you know, she was like, oh, baby number six, I got this, let's do it on my friend's couch. And they did, and my sister was breached with the umbilical cord wrapped around her neck. And they're doing this at home, and the midwife managed to get her out and... That's all what of, midwives do. All was well. It's it's a difference between when, when you're counting on your instruments and when you're counting on yourself, because we're we, we do dual care. So we go to the obstetrician and we also have a midwife who happens to be a licensed obstetrician as well, who's been doing delivery <coughs> care for a long time, who comes to our home to see us. Uh, and the drastic difference between a medically managed pregnancy wow. and a midwife managed pregnancy. I wasn't feeling well Sunday, she came to our home and took all the measurements and then she said, okay, well, I'm just going to sit here next to you for about a half an hour and just feel your belly. And and see if there's any... I don't know that I ever saw my obstetrician for a half an hour at a stretch, even when I was in the middle of pushing my son out because they're too busy and too involved in so many other things. And she just sat there and... Right, you know, they're feeling okay. There's no contractions here. You're okay. This is okay. I, I feel so relaxed when the midwives come over. It's like... Oh, this is, they're like two, they're like hippie grandmas. <laughs> they're like, they're, they're like hippie grandmas. They just, they, they come over the and they chill. They're hippie grandmas that bring an ultrasound machine with yeah, them. Yeah, and they're, Because and that they're, was a really fun experience, <coughs> having an ultrasound in my living room. With Ben <laughs> Ryan watching. That tripped him out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, and then we go to the obstetrician's office, who is great, fantastic, wonderful at what she does. I am so fucking nervous when I leave her office. Because it's like she must be under a tremendous amount of pressure to see 75 pregnant women every day. And it shows. I mean, she's like all business. That sucks. And, it's, and it sucks for her, I'm sure. That's what right? I mean, yeah. Um, because she's 
nice and she's you know thorough and she's very and she has 75 women so she's dealing with anxiety of 75 women and and i wish that was a more pleasurable the the I, honestly the most comfortable i've been was with the with the perinate yesterday yeah our perinate he was super mellow you know it was like almost like he just came from a long martini lunch i mean he was just like chill and that's not an accusation mm -hmm. i'm sure he did not have any alcohol while he was at lunch but he was just like relaxed and took him took him all of you know 10 seconds to have his first measurement done which is unusual for any of the ultrasound techs that we've experienced so far it usually takes them like 10 minutes just to figure out where the babies are which one's like, this one where's their inside head? they're inside <laughs> are you sure you're the, pregnant yeah i'm not seeing anything yeah well and that was the thing is you know we're there because um the last ultrasound we had that they measured the babies one of the babies would measure small well they both measured small and one of them measured disturbingly small yeah like, so hey you should look at this the doctor walks in yesterday and he's like oh yeah no those babies aren't small and then he proceeds to prove it by you know with an ultrasound but he just looked at her because those are not small babies <laughs> no i saw pictures of my mom when she was pregnant with me and she wasn't that big the day i was born well there are two of them i know there's two of them in there but yeah those babies don't look small they're fine. They're fine. That was great. It was. It was. But you know, it, it, that that to me is this is this is exactly this experience is reminding me why I don't particularly care for uh, allo is it allopathic allopathic care? I don't know. Western medicine. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's allopathic. It's treating. Um, the treating, symptoms? treating disease instead of the system. You're treating the symptoms instead of the system, right? And that, that approach to symptomatic care. Like, like, you know, I go in for, to the doctor for my, first, for my first time in however many years, and they send me for the blood work, and the, doctor, the doctor's office calls and says, well, your, your cholesterol, all of your numbers look great, you're not diabetic, everything's fine, you check out, you know, Blood pressure is great. All the everything is good. Your cholesterol is um, borderline, and uh, so the doctor called in a prescription for you. That's crazy. I remember you, like, you told that story. You even what? told that story on the air. What? That's just insanity. I don't need a prescription for high cholesterol when my number is borderline. Yeah. And I just. Yeah, it it, it it boggles the mind. Yeah, and I think too, it works both ways. The providers are also conditioned to have the patients come in asking for shit. Because, you, oh, you see it on TV. I, I think I have this problem and I need this. So doctors are conditioned to, okay, this person's going to want a prescription, so I'm just going to write one. Which sucks too. And I think that may be the, I think that may be the other part of it is, yeah, the, um, the expectation of the medical community is, well, this bunch of fat, lazy slobs will, if we tell them to exercise, they're not going to do it anyway, so we might as well write them a prescription mm -hmm. and save ourselves, save both of us, you know, the trouble of them coming back a year from now and everything's still the same. Nothing's changed except for it's gotten worse. 
cool thing going on in medicine right now and weight and obesity and things we don't know about. They're finding with the rise of fecal transplants for oh, probiotic bac the, the bacteria to repopulate your gut. Fat donor gave fecal sample to skinny person and skinny person became fat. Yep, I heard about no that. No other changes other than that. But it's totally all in your head and it's your willpower and you're just a lazy sloth that you're fat. It has nothing to do with when your entire when, biome. When you say fecal, I, I, I mean exactly about? what it is. They what do fecal matter like? transplants for bacteria for gut bacteria. Like some people aren't, aren't producing certain types of gut bacteria, so they use fecal matter transplants. And where exactly do they put these transplants? In your mom. Okay, yeah, they no, put them where they go. Yes. Right, they put them okay. where they go. They don't, they don't right. make you swallow them. Oh, thank God. <laughs> oh, God. If somebody tries to give me a poop pill, I'm just going to, I'm going to, that's the end of my life. <laughs> the, that file out of the medicines I will never yeah. take. But, I, you know, and this kind of ties into what we talked about last week with uncertainty. There's so much that we don't know. There's, there's some that we do know. There's so much that we don't know. And in, in any given moment, it's like, okay, this is our best guess. But unfortunately... The medical community will also act like, no, this is a, this is this, this, this is set. That's stone. the this thing I'm talking about. Yeah. That's the thing I'm talking about. Is that, is that, that that just absolute position of, and and maybe it's a thing that you have to. Maybe it's a thing that a skill that you have to develop when you're dealing with, you know, mm -hmm. people who are going to push back, and say, I don't want to, yeah. you know. Um, that you have to, you know, pretend like, you know, you're the position of authority. We had we had a nurse given a quote unquote class about, you know, signs of preterm labor, and she's like, you, you know, reading from the book, oh. and says you must um, do reading this. Reading from the book and making up terms as she went. You you must do this particular exercise for an hour twice a day. Cricket's like. Uh, when when exactly do you think I'm gonna fit that yeah, in? I work, work full time. time. And I work full time. I have a seven year old. That's not gonna happen. And and her exact words were, "Oh, well, I'll check with the perinatology department and see if they think that's okay." Oh Jesus! What? <laughs> you what? You don't tell. I I I like started channeling Medea. I'm like, you what? No, no. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. You don't get to tell me because you're a fucking nurse, mm -hmm. right? I am, and I don't know where that. It's so funny because there there seems to be this. Well, know, there's this idea that you need to turn over your agency. That yeah. you're gonna you're gonna say, you know, I've got this experience and therefore I know better and I will tell you what to do and you will say yes and that is the end of it. Um, and this expectation that the that the other sentient being on the other half of that transaction that is not the medical professional might also be intelligent and knows their body better and and you know what frankly even if they're not intelligent it's still their choice you still get to make well, decisions it, over you know your own and they try to make everything into absolutes you know must not have alcohol must not have cheese must not have this must not have that you know <coughs> my best guess, and I've never been pregnant, my best guess is stay out of the crack house. My, my you ruin favorite, all my fun. My other, than that, other than that, you're probably going to be okay if you, chase, if you eat soft cheese and drink beer my once in a while. My favorite looks Stay are, out of the crack house, cricket. My favorite looks are of the people, the horrified people, when we go to a sushi, restu sushi restaurant and she has a glass of wine with her, sushi. With her raw fish. 
and you're like, and people are like, <gasps> like, somebody Can't pulled off in jail. Shouldn't somebody be calling somebody about this? <laughs> something. And doing something. Shouldn't somebody do something about this? You know. No. Everybody relax. Mama's a, Mama's got it under control. But I think people just want that level of certainty. So raw fish is bad. I, I think the women in Japan are doing perfectly okay. That's you know that's kind of. That's what Shayer come back always is. You know, I look at I look at the entire world, and I look at how people have babies in the entire world, and then I look at what we do to women in America, and I say mm -hmm. bullshit, no. And we do the same thing with our kids and their homework, and we do the same thing with so many aspects of our lives. It's part of this, our lives, this this American dichotomy of like, everything or nothing, and. Mm -hmm. And you have to, you know, if, if you're not, you know, all the gung ho with the all the if everything. If you're not with us, you're against us. And it really does a disservice to everyone. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, except for like staying out of the crack house, I can't think of anything I like absolutely must do or must you not do. You keep harping on that. I, I, I really don't think crack is being in a crack house is good. If you're just in the house, what if you're not doing it? But smoking crack in the crack house. It's I'd just, rather not. Yeah, don't smoke the crack. I mean, yeah. that's good even if you're not, I mean, that's good policy even if you're not pregnant. Yeah. Because that just seems like a... Crack's a bad idea, I'm yeah. guessing. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, that's where I'm going with that one. I mean, if you're gonna, if you want to get high, there are better ways to do it than crack, I would imagine. But yeah, the, the, I, I, don't, I know for myself, I can't live a life of absolutes. It just doesn't work for me. I, I'm not really an absolute person yeah. um, about much of anything. There's, there's always... I'm pretty absolutely certain that I'll never vote Republican. I mean... <laughs> if the best candidate happens to be a Republican? It would take, it would take some, uh, it, it would take some fancy footwork. And that's not, that's happen. not, that's not saying that, you know, I'm, and I'm not, and that's that's not even saying I'm a Democrat. I'm just saying at this moment. But it's based on the knowledge that you have now with the way that party behaves. And that's and that could change. Right. Hopefully, dear God. Just like medicine. Well, Please. you know, it's that same extreme dichotomy of you have to err, so you must be a. This is what Republican means, and this is what liberal means, and damn it all if you know you have to agree with everything that's on this party platform. And nobody's willing to say there's this whole gray area in the middle that we're actual people. We're all in the middle. And I don't think most people realize, and, and I, I've tried studying it and I can't even figure it out myself, but the political parties, as they evolved over yeah. time, used to be the opposite. Mm -hmm. The Democrat Party used to be used to be the state's rights party, and they were the party that supported slavery and 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 it's somewhere along the line, and, and I, I've studied it, and I still can't figure Prior it out. But somewhere around the, the Blue Dog Democrats, around the early 20th century, it shifted. Yeah. Um, Barry Goldwater. It, it shifted before that. Well, but there, that was the big, that was the big mm -hmm. transition. Wow. Uh, 64. Yeah. That um, was the you know when the Republican Party became the no tax mm -hmm. you know white middle America. Right. But yeah, I don't think most Americans don't understand that. I mean, at one point in our history, we didn't even have political parties. Right. The founding fathers were saying they didn't we want... We were Whigs and Tories. Well, in the, in the beginning, they didn't want us to have political parties because they felt that that was not going to be the best way to do government. But political parties just naturally evolved because as our government 
you know, we had states and we had federal and people just kind of got on one so side what you're the saying, other. What you're saying is that the only true patriots in America today who are following the principles laid down by the deities known as the Founding Fathers He's got his finger out, folks. are the independents. Well, keep in mind the Founding Fathers based all this stuff on the world that they lived in then with the information that they had then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to think about it, if you want to really put it in those terms. Independents like me. Okay. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I am. You're an independent who votes Democrat. I am <laughs> the, I, you know what, there, there, you might convince me to, I, I'm going to regret saying this, but there have been some libertarian candidates that I'm like, ah, maybe. Mm -hmm. And there have been some Green Party candidates where I was like, eh, maybe. Um, but if it's a, if it's a hotly contested race. You're like, yeah, anything to keep that, you know, freaking right-wing nutbag out. Yeah, we've gotten to a point in this country where we vote defensively. <coughs> we do everything defensively. We pass that's, laws defensively. True. We vote defensively. We practice medicine defensively. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. We attack other nations defensively? <laughs> it's, it all makes sense now. We commit our acts of aggression defensively. It's so... Why is that? Why do we have this? It only it, does it come from like a, it comes from like a national insecurity complex, doesn't it, Jackie? I didn't really think about it. Come on, you got me thinking about it now. I got to psychoanalyze it now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fuck yeah. I don't know. Oh, the American yeah. personality. Why does the American personality feel so deficient? That's a really damn because good question. Because I mean, that really, if you think about it, that defensive posture comes from a lack of confidence in who you really are. Right? When you get defensive with people. When you feel the need to get defensive with somebody, it's because you're unsure of yeah. your position, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so that that kind of collective defensive posture and that, you know, that, that constant need to harp on America as, you know, the greatest and, mm -hmm. and, you know, the nation where all of the good shit happens really comes from this kind of, like, neurotic... Uh, extremely low self-esteem, you know, it, like kid who got picked on in high school. And where, where my brain, you, you got me thinking about it, where my brain's going with that is there's the narrative story of the American way, mm -hmm. and then there's things that work, and uh, I'm trying to think of a way I can articulate this because I just, just popped into my head. The American narrative is that rugged individualism, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, every doing things on your own. American exceptionalism. American exceptionalism. But meanwhile, we don't do things on our own. You, you know, people can, can take yeah. care of themselves and take initiative, but like we said in the beginning, you don't do your like own. Like they do in every other fucking exactly. country. Exactly. So our narrative really runs counter to the way the world freaking works. Yeah. No wonder that's making people so neurotic. It, it's, it's a... It's a uh, it's like there's this little secret crisis. in the back of your head, little voice, that's that's saying, you know, oh yeah, you're so independent and you're doing all these things on your own, but you do realize that you're two steps away from everything fucking falling apart. It, it Every takes me, moment of your life. It takes mm -hmm. me back to that, to the, to the, uh, to the moment, you know, when the when the president had the audacity to say, um, you didn't build that. Yeah. Speaking of the fucking infrastructure, not your fucking business. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ people context context it's so much more fun to take it out of context though and villainize it's fun to take everything someone. out of context but i had a conversation with somebody who's ultra conservative after that and i said so 
so let me get this straight. And I asked the road mm-hmm. question. I said, so is it your position that roads should be built, maintained, managed, and owned mm-hmm. privately? Well, no, things like roads are important to me. Okay, so wh- where do you draw the line? What's the arbitrary line that you draw between necessary infrastructure and uh, your pork barrel, you know, mm-hmm. uh, programs? Well, Where and the you... thing the thing that gets me about all of those is that you ask somebody who is really, really pro-independence and I'm going to build my own business, and they're all very familiar with the concept, um, the, the business concept of, uh... oh, there you go, brain. Good job. All um, that energy's going down there. Um that you get larger because then you can have like your small individual units cost mm-hmm. less. And yeah. so volume, uh, anyway, so, and you look at all of these, okay, so what do you want to do about libraries? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everybody can have their own books or everybody can put in a little bit of money and there are way more books for everybody. Yeah. And we can share the books. So, so uh, the firemen. Yeah. So our belief system is will really... your, will your fireman come and put out mm-hmm. the fire at my house? Private business owner that you've hired your own security force are they going to make sure to, are they going to catch the burglar who broke into my house um hey guys what do you think we should do about all these poor people i mean it's it's a deficient so our belief system really runs counter to what actually does work and, and I, I hear the argument a lot well it works in sweden or it works in finland because it's a smaller country we're a bigger country, but we also have more people and there's more scale. There's no reason why it can't work mm-hmm. here on a different scale mm-hmm. than in a smaller place. But you go, and I've been to Scandinavia, people there are not worried. They're not one paycheck away from bankruptcy and disaster. And I shouldn't say paycheck because you can still mismanage your finances, obviously, in those countries. But you're not one illness or one accident away from being in the street. Mm-hmm. And that insecurity really wears on people. Well, and then the assumption that that injury or that accident or that illness was your fault. Yeah. Yeah. Or that, or the fact that you couldn't pay for it is some kind of moral deficiency. So this idea... It's, well, we talked about this with Darlena. Yeah, right? I think that, so. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that, um, that if, if, you can't, if you can't demonize mm-hmm. that particular... Tra- if you can't demonize poverty then you have to own it. Yeah. Right? If you then can't you, other it, then you have to accept yeah. that you are very close to it. Yeah. Or that it's or that it's already part of you. You know, that 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 you're already a part of the system that creates that. Yeah, and it's like we can't accept the reality that if we all do better, we all do better. A rising it, tide. It, it, yeah, let's all it, it so runs much. completely counter to to, that, right? to that American narrative. I always want to There's say rising belief. tide sinks all ships, but that's not right. No, it doesn't. It could though. I mean, if it was a tsunami. ships. Well, if it was a tsunami. I mean. But there's that belief that if you're getting something and I'm losing something, that some game mentality is right. is really what seems to be driving this country. But we want well, this you, like that. you know, the airy fairy folks would call it a scarcity mentality versus a versus yeah. an abundance mentality, mm-hmm. right? And, they, and you, which are very, it's so, it's frustrating that those terms get co-opted um, by folks who really don't have. An understanding mm-hmm. of them, but that that idea that there's not enough to go around, and so I have to, you know, I have to have, I have to not only have but keep and protect this pile of stuff. Mm-hmm. 
because if I don't, then there's not going to be enough stuff tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to have enough stuff to, you know, for my kids. Um, and if, if my neighbor has more stuff than me, then, you know, I've got, then I'm deficient in some way. For him to have more stuff, I have to have less stuff. Right, yeah. exactly. That there, that it, his having more stuff has caused me to lose some of my stuff. And never mind if you have more stuff than you could ever possibly lose anyway. Mm -hmm. Or I'm, okay, or I'll use this as an example. I don't have kids, I pay taxes that go to schools. Yeah. I could be a dick and be like, I don't wanna pay to go to, I don't wanna pay for school taxes, I don't have any kids. I want kids to be educated so that they're not it's a societal benefit, it's a societal right? benefit. I want your kids to have the best possible education possible. Because, <laughs> Thank you, Aunt Jackie. Because, I mean, Whitney, you know, was a prophet, right? What the fuck are you talking about? She believed that the children were our future, and she was right. Oh, Whitney Houston. She was yeah. also a prophet. Well, yeah. Oh, it's so sad about her daughter. Yeah. Uh, who wrote that, that song anyway? Me? I don't know who wrote the song. That's but, a great question. But, you know, I mean, and I say... Well, you know, and there's there's that fantastic article that was that, right? that uh, was making the rounds on the internet the other day discussing a different perspective on addiction with mice. In that, if you put the mice in a supportive environment with other friendly mice, they stay away from the heroin water. Yeah. Mm -hmm. they, and if you kind of try and look at people with addictions, um, and that the thing that happens that makes it so that people get through these addictions, it's not this hard line you know, intervention bullshit. It's having people who are willing to stand by you and say, I support you and I hold your hand while you're going through your shit. And, and that's being associated with better treatment outcomes, actually. And yes. Happy. Well, and that's what, I mean, you know, you want somebody to successfully mm -hmm. overcome addiction, you need to actually give them something that they enjoy in their life and isolating them and treating them like shit, um, you know, and that you are always going to be the fuck up is not a way to make people actually get any better at Here's a thought. And I may be dead wrong about this, but it seems to me anecdotally from observation of the people who I know that people who are happy tend not to have substance abuse problems. Mm -hmm. People who are happy on the whole. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's corollary. It's, it's maybe not causal, right? Right. right. But is it, the, is it the lack of substance abuse that causes the happiness? No. I think it's the other way around. I think it's that, that condition of not of looking to fill the void. Being happy, it's like, oh, okay. It, it, you know, I look at the beer and I'm like, oh, I love the way that tastes. I like the way I like the little, I like the little buzz that I get from it. Mm -hmm. But I really don't feel the need to drink eighteen of them. Yeah, so that I, can so that sleep I feel and not numb. Think about my life. Yeah. yeah, and and so if we focused on helping people be happy possibly our substance abuse problem. Right. I mean, that should be the real war on drugs, right? The real war on drugs should be, hey, let's make everybody happy. But you think that about, one actually might work. When you think about our defense, well, I was thinking about, you know, like when you said educating the kids, it made me think about America's defensive, defensive culture. Just say no. You know, if, if, we raise, if we educate kids properly from the beginning, they'll grow up smart and that'll take care of a lot of problems instead of you know, bleeding education dry and then wondering why later on, why these kids not Well, mm -hmm. okay, so you need to well. educate them and at the same time you need to love them. And right, not, and feed them. Not this conditional love of, I'll love you if, I'll love I'll, you when. I'll love but, you, if you if you are obedient. 
but understanding, you know, that these little tiny human beings, you know, show up worthy of you loving them and figuring out how to, oh, I guess that's spoiling them and turning them into entitled little brats that, oh God, you are worthy of love simply because you exist, but you can love your kids to lay the smack down. Of course you can. And Not the literal smell. You know what I'm talking about. You know me. I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because most of the time, the, the hardest decisions that you make as a parent are when you love them so much, but at the same time, you're like, because I love you, you're going to get punished here, and this sucks you. And I accept that it sucks. And then there are the other times when you're like, I just don't love you anymore. I want to throw you off of this bridge. But those pass, right? I mean, that's I like a I don't know that I ever thing. wanted to throw them off a bridge. I've wanted to sell them to gypsies <laughs> or maybe send them to the neighbor's house for a little bit. <clears throat> but those pass, right? Those. I mean, if they didn't, there would be mm-hmm. no children. <laughs> it's a good, I mean, what do you say? It's a good thing they're cute? It is. It is. Yeah. Well, they say that that's an evolutionary It thing. is. Yeah. I, you sense. know, they also say evolutionarily there's a reason that babies come out looking like their fathers. Oh. Then as they grow up, you can you can look at baby pictures and compare them to their fathers and see genetically that, okay, this, this whole group of children here look like their dad. And then as they grow up, they differentiate into their I own have, looks and their own mother's looks. I don't know. I still look more like my dad than my mom. I have never met a baby who looks like anything other than a baby. A potato. I have never seen, like, I, people are always like, ah, oh, he looks just like his father. No, I have hair. My face is bigger, um, you know. And there's all these things like I don't, I don't see that similarity that you're seeing. I think it might be in your head. I think it might. But then, like you know, as they become a toddler, then it becomes very obvious. You're like, oh yeah, you look exactly like the mailman. I don't know why, but you do. You look an awful lot like the mailman. Why, why is it always assumed that women are stripping the mailman? <laughs> because we don't have the milkman anymore. I guess. <laughs> I mean, who else? I mean, it could be the gardener. Yeah. I, our mailman, I would not. Wow. <laughs> I've wow. never seen a mailman I'd want to strip, but that's just me. Yeah, that's a. That'd, that'd be a tough sell, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Considering the fact that every time he comes to our house, he's talking, I think he wouldn't stop talking the entire time. He. It's so bizarre, and I, I'm not entirely sure if I don't know what he's talking about. It's in a foreign language. Oh. Um. He looks maybe Indonesian, Indian, mm-hmm. maybe some, you know. Um. So I don't know if it's. I don't know if he's got an earbud in, and he's just always on the phone. Which That's I would probably think, what it is. I would think that the post office would have caught up with him by now and fired him because that's really not, you're not supposed to on the job. Who's going to know? But, or if he's like, if they're like language tapes, like he's actually learning his native language, um, or not his, you know, maybe his na- native language is English and he's learning how to speak, you know, Hindi or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just this constant flow of words coming out of his mouth as he's walking up and putting the mail in the slot and walking back to his car and driving to the next. It's bizarre. He's in his own little world, delivering. Is he, but the question is, is he delivering the mail properly and on time? Yeah. Then who gives a shit? I'll tell you what, though. I Now that you mention it, I did that I did that gig for a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say, didn't, didn't you, were you? And I'm surprised that I wasn't babbling to myself more frequently than <laughs> I was. It is a fairly mindless job. I mean, once you know your route, Mm-hmm. It is the same 
fucking job every goddamn day. Oh, yeah. There is no variation. You know, you can say, oh, it must be the 14th based on the pieces of mail that you're putting in that person's fucking slot. It's ridiculous. When my parents lived back... No in, job should be that ridiculous. No, get this. When my parents lived back in Brooklyn, when they bought their house, there was a ma- the mailman. Yeah. He was their mailman, except for obviously <coughs> vacation and sick days, until they sold their house. Yeah. Because I went back home in like 2006, and I was just hanging out in the stoop one day, and Jimmy comes walking up. I'm like, what the fuck? This guy's been on this route for 26 years? You fucking kidding me? And this is the and this is the thing where people literally like bake yeah. cookies for you at Christmas time. Oh yeah. You're like a member of the family. Yeah. Some people will stick a check in their mailbox yeah. for you. Mm-hmm. Which you're not supposed to take, but everybody does. Of course. But like you're giving your you're giving your mailman a like $250 tip <laughs> at the end of the year? I've never done that. Holy shit. He's not going to bring your mail any faster. I promise you. Yeah. Because I've seen these guys at the office. They do not do anything fast. And that's a generalization because I was fast. But I was like, I was like three months on the job and faster than the people I was subbing for. And that's when they start flying your tires. And I actually got talked to. I was going to say, did they actually slow you down? I got pulled aside by the guy that I was subbing for. And he's like, hey, you know, um... This isn't a contest. Yeah. Not, you don't need to be in such a big hurry. You, you, drive, you drive. And then you start calling into question. You driving safely out there? Yeah, I'm fucking driving safely. I'm just driving the actual speed limit, not 15 miles an hour. I, I lasted a year and a half in that job. I bet. Drove me fucking nuts. Couldn't wait to get out. And then I went into banking. Back into banking, which was equally horrible. I don't. I, I didn't actually start having good jobs until I got into sales, and then this gig. Hmm. Yeah, everything up until then was just like, uh, this is horrible. Sorry, right, now you know what you don't like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I think if I was a male person, I'd probably use the time to learn like eighteen other languages. You totally could. You could mm-hmm. throw on headphones mm-hmm. and take every Rosetta Stone course. Uh, or actually, Rosetta Stone, you couldn't because that That's required a computer screen, right? Yeah. I, you yeah. could do like the Berlitz thing. Do they still make the Berlitz? Probably, yeah. You used yeah, to be able to check sure. out the. Um, this is how much of a geek I was as a kid. I would go to the library and check out the Berlitz language tapes mm-hmm. to try to teach myself languages. Well, you can do it podcasts now. In elementary school, we had uh, <clears throat> cookbooks in the library at the elementary school library that I would check out and take home to read. So Cookbooks You just are to not read? the only nerd. Cookbooks just to read? Yes. My favorite one, I must have checked it out half a dozen times, was uh, an eighteen hundreds cookbook that discussed things like how to make whipped cream and butter and buttermilk with a churn. Mm. Ooh. Oh it tastes really good. And this is this is where my nerdness picks up. It wouldn't taste any better than the stuff you make now. I don't know. It would just take longer. I'm just speculating. I don't know. I'm sure the buttermilk would. The buttermilk would taste better than <coughs> you buy, since what you buy isn't actually buttermilk anyway. I but if you make it, butter. If you make if you make buttermilk today, uh, with you know whatever modern technology you could make it with, it would be no. I mean, making butter with a churn versus making butter with, uh, you know stand mixer or something 
there's there's no there's like it's not gonna taste any better just because you made it with the churn. It's just gonna take you 18 times as long. I disagree because the thing about death. the butter is that it's coagulation of proteins, and the amount of time and the gentleness with which those proteins are coagulated affects the mouthfeel of said product. Yeah, but you pay attention to food long enough for it to actually have a mouthfeel. <laughs> it spends it spends enough time in your mouth for you to actually feel something. Come on, you know Jerry's like the Green Goblin in Ghostbusters, right? He's just like, gom, 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 gom. <laughs> Not exactly. Slimer. Slimer? Slimer. Slimer. Yeah. We watched Who then you became eat. part of the... Uh, we watched you eat tacos one day. Who then became part of the uh, cartoon, right? Wasn't mm -hmm. Slimer on the cartoon? Mm -hmm. As as a member of the team, they didn't yeah. zap him and lock him up. Yeah. There's an episode about how he got out. Hmm. I'm just thinking of the, in the original movie on the yeah. on the uh, room service cart. Yeah. I don't eat tacos like that. You did once. When? This was like a long time ago. You did I have munchies? I don't know. You had like beer munchies? I, you just like showed up one day and you had like tacos and you were just like, open the bag and just... Oh. Tacos. Well, that could have, if it was from Del Taco, that could have been French fries that I was dumping on it. I don't know. This, was, this was like back on oh. the East Street days. I love Del Taco's French fries. I don't know why they're horrible and greasy and limp, but there's just something about them that's and like... And crinkle cut. They are crinkle cut, aren't they? Mm -hmm. Crinkle cut. But if you get the nacho fries... I don't know, the, I don't like Del Taco. Oh my god. On them, I can't, I, I can't even watch when you bring those home. Oh god, so delicious. And then like, you get one of those little salt packets and the on the top. Can we stop talking about Del Taco? No! It's my favorite food. God, my I favorite can't, fast food. I can't believe it's not my that. favorite food. I can't believe that. <laughs> what fast food is there that's better? Everyone but Del Taco. No. The Taco Bell is horrible. Taco Bell sucks, but it's a step above Del Taco. No, it's not. I absolutely disagree with you. <laughs> I think you're basing your opinion back on when you worked there and they actually made the beans in store instead of it being the dehydrated powder that needed to be required. Taco Bell? Both. Del Taco still slow cooks their beans. You work on site? Yes, on site. I don't believe in giant pressure cookers. Mm -mm. Yes, they do. Absolutely. Next time we pass mm -hmm. Del Taco, we will stop and you and you will ask to see the kitchen. I'm scrolling through my phone here, and I have an article that came up that's a discussion about panel says chronic fatigue syndrome is a disease and renames it, and it's another one of those things that reminds me about the frustrations that I have with people who are so very, very certain about things. Chronic Fibromyalgia doesn't exist. Chronic fatigue syndrome doesn't exist. I don't have an Shit, easily labeled they, cause, they therefore it doesn't with somebody exist. somebody who had it. Oh, geez, chronic and fatigue syndrome is the worst to watch. It doesn't exist. It. It's depressing. I have never had it, so I, it therefore doesn't exist. I can't find a virus or a bacteria that I recognize and understand, and therefore it doesn't exist. I can't remember what the percentage is of the amount of bacteria they find in your gut that they don't even know what it is. The biological mass that they haven't even determined what the bacteria well, did, is. Did you Let alone what than, even do. It's greater than 50%, which is why the fecal transplants are happening, because... Well, hey, we'll put this here because we don't know what it all is, but it does good things. Did you see? Um, did you happen to see they did a they did a microbial study of the New York City subway system? They went in and they swabbed like every station to see what they would find. Uh huh. Oh, oh you gotta look at it online. Oh. There's a lot of things that they found that they don't just we don't know what this is. And and so this 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 position mm -hmm. of. I have absolute certainty yeah. that this is what is wrong with you, that this is what is going to cure you, that this is what ails you, when there is this vast body of, you don't even fucking know what that is. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, there, there, there were microbes that they found that they're just like, yeah, I don't know. 
we've never seen this on Earth before. And then there was a whole it station. Must be alien. There was a whole station that had gotten flooded up to the roof in Hurricane Sandy, and that whole station had uh, microbes from oceans, like in other parts of the world. And that was the only station that had them. It was just really fascinating to see what they found and where they found it. But just the, the you know, it's <laughs> fantastic. We go on to this idea of I don't know. Yeah. If, they, if you could hold on and get comfortable with I don't yeah. know. I mean, they did find a lot of things that they did know. You know, they found bubonic plague and they found salmonella and all the things that you would you expect. You know why they find. found plague? Because pl squirrels. squirrels. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Squirrels, Jerry. Seven-year-old's asking Jerry why he doesn't like squirrels, and Jerry's trying to come up with a reason that doesn't sound paranoid, but he fails. Just give him the paranoid reason. I don't care about transferring my paranoia to him about squirrels. I just don't want him to be nervous around squirrels. I want him to know that he is the human with the much larger brain, and so there's nothing to be frightened of. Intense dislike is different than So just fear. tell him you don't like freaking squirrels, because they creep you out. They don't creep me out. Yeah, they're they gross. <laughs> they creep you out. They are gross. No, they're not. Yes, they are. <laughs> they're they're gray rats with fuzzy tails. None of those things are gross things. Rats are it's, gross. It's a mental construct. Rats that live in the wild are gross. Jerry, rats that you keep in a cage. They're God's creatures. <sighs> right. And they have microbes. <laughs> And they are cannibalistic. Microbes that we don't know about yet. That we don't know what they are. I thought that was cool that they found things we don't cool. know about. I'm like, wow, that's fascinating. This is the beauty of science. This is the this is the um, the approach to science of the interested observer who is not attached to a particular belief system. Mm -hmm. That's what science is supposed to be, right? But more and more frequently, it becomes a justification and a defense for what I believe. Which, I had a study if you're there wrong, mm -hmm. the head with it. if you're wrong about what you believe, that's just called confirmation bias, right? I mean, if, if you're using science to confirm your bias, that's not really... You're, that's you're not using science. You're doing it wrong. Right. That's right? not using science. Um, when, you know, science teaches us again, over and over and over and over again, that everything you believe is bullshit. I mean, really, when you get right down to it, science still cannot answer the question of, you know, is, is this solid or is it really just a collection of atoms flying all over the place? It's like both. Quantum physics. It's both. It all yeah. Right? It is a collection of atoms flying all over the place, but I can put my phone on it and my beard. It's both. It's a very useful collection of flying atoms. Yeah. So, you know. And, and just let go of your need to be right. If there was one message to the world, this is why I would actually like this printed on my whatever marker that memorializes my time on this planet. The Jerry, is it L? Jerry L. Kennedy Memorial <coughs> Squirrel Sanctuary. Yeah, exactly. The plaque that you put on a tree that the squirrels shit on yeah. every day. Let go of your need to be right. Just fucking stop. You don't need to be right. There is no... Bon there are no bonus points for being right in this lifetime 
or any of them after, whatever that might be. No extra points, no extra credit. Just go fucking live and experience things. And don't be a shithead because right. you think you're right. I mean, that's a... Just that that a sounds like a very easy philosophy. To what, was, what was Douglas Adams's 2,000 years after people nailed a guy to a tree for saying how great it would be if everybody could be nice to each other? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <sighs> so there we go. All right. That was fun. It was cool. I got to pee, though. You got to so, pee? Yeah. Oh, so we have to bring the podcast to a close because Jackie has bladder control issues. I don't have bladder control issues. I just have to go. Uh, not... You have to pee before the pregnant lady. Therefore, you have bladder control issues. I peed right before I got here because I didn't want to have to interrupt. See? So. This is well, how you plan, Jackie. I'm not having control issues because you can see I'm not peeing on the seat. This is how you plan, Jackie. I don't I'm just... know that I've ever seen you gesture at your vagina quite like that before. <laughs> That's because you never worked in the same office as her. That's <laughs> <laughs> right on that. Um, no, I, I can hold it. I'm just uncomfortable. Okay. Well, we'll wrap this up for you then. We don't want you to be uncomfortable. It's late and I actually have some shit to do. So All right, people. Yeah. So that's the end of the podcast for this week. You can uh, uh, write in with your opinions and what do the click and clack guys always say? I Isn't this where we say, you know, sponsored by Dewey Cheatham and how accounting... I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. That's where, where the guy in Nerdist says, enjoy your burrito or some shit like that. Enjoy your burrito. All right, everybody. Peace out. See you all next week. <laughs>